It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Wednesday night, the Staple Show is back. We are ready to go. What is up, everybody? I'm I'm tired. I feel like the the week's kind of catching up to me here. Uh, we we got a chance to talk to um, Sean McDermott, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Jordan Poyer, and Devin Singletary today. Uh, so I have a little bit uh, from that. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about the injury report uh, for the Bills. Uh, very clean once again. I think Bills fans are going to be excited. We'll talk about my little back and forth with some some members of Chiefs Kingdom today. It's funny this time of year. It's been I- I've noticed since the tide has kind of changed a little bit, Ryan, in terms of the Bills being good. The opposing team's fan base, the interactions on social media have gotten a lot much more contentious. We'll get into that a little bit as well. And then we'll have um, Aaron Ladd uh, from KSHB in Kansas City. Uh, we'll have him on for a bit to kind of get a view from the other side in this matchup. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about it tonight. We're going to get, we're going to dip our toes in the water. We're going to get our feet wet a little bit. Uh, and whether you're celebrating at home or away this weekend, Tops has all your fan favorites ready to enjoy for football, entertaining, or any occasion. Ryan Talbot, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, excited about this matchup. You know, I know they already faced off once this year, but we were talking about it uh, pre-show. This is, uh, a mu- you know, both teams much different coming into this matchup. Exactly right. And I think one of the things you know, you mentioned it before we came on, and, and I think it's a good place to start, is how much different both of these teams are going into this matchup than they were in week five. For you, what stands out as an area where if from, from a Bills perspective, you're most um, aware of how much maybe better Kansas City is playing in whatever area of the game? Well, I, th- I think you'd have to go to the defensive line just in general. One, the Bills did not see Chris Jones in that first matchup. And, and mind you, uh, early in the season, they, Jones was playing out of position at defensive end more than anything else. They go and they make a trade for Melvin Ingram, that, which allowed Chris Jones to go back to the inside. And they saw Ingram in week one against Pittsburgh. They didn't see Chris Jones in week five. Just that combination alone might give the Bills fans a little bit of pause at home about this matchup. Bill's offensive line, to their credit, has been playing great ball. Maybe it'll be a non-factor. But for me, that's the one area that really stands out. Is there anything for you that stands out differently? Well, yeah, we could talk about some other things. But I want to kind of stick there for a moment because, you know, you look at Melvin Ingram and he had such a hot start for Pittsburgh. Uh, three pressures in that first game against Buffalo. Five the next week. He ended with, before he moved on, total uh, he had 11 pressures in six games for, for Pittsburgh. And so he was he was a guy that was playing pretty well. Since coming over to the Kansas City Chiefs, he's played a little bit more games. I think he's played one, two, three, nine games. He has one sack, a half sack in two games. And then the pressures are at one, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, 11. So he has just as many pressures in more games 
with Kansas City. But what I think he does more than anything is he allows Chris Jones to be who Chris Jones is, to your point. And, you know, they moved him back in. Josh Allen talked a little bit about that today. When he gets going, when he's engaged, he's a super problem. And, you know, how the Bills combat that, I think, is going to be twofold. Number one, I think that they have real continuity and the left guard spot has been really solidified by Ryan Bates. And I think... You have a a, a small sample size, right? And he's played better and you kind of wonder about the competition. I think that there's some real talent on the New England Patriots defensive line. But Christian Barmore coming into that game, their their most dangerous uh, defensive lineman with the way that Matthew Judon has kind of fallen off over the course of the last bit of the season, he was banged up. And I thought he was basically invisible out there, kind of like we predicted him to be. And so this is going to be almost like the first real true test. I thought that there was some good competition in that Carolina game. There's some talent on that Panthers defensive line, but they're the Panthers and they had no offense and they, they weren't really a threat in this game. If you're not able to affect Patrick Mahomes early in the first quarter with your four man rush and whatever kind of blitz um, looks that Leslie Frazier decides to throw at the chiefs, that's when you can kind of get yourself into trouble. Now I still, I like the matchups. I'm kind of talking all over the place here, but my point is, the, the trench battle, we talked about this a lot yesterday on uh, Twitter spaces. And if you're not following those Twitter spaces, get dialed in over there because we're going live. We went live yesterday. Uh, we're going to go live on Thursday and then we're going to go live on either Saturday or Sunday. But what I do think I really like about this offensive line for the Bills, Ryan, back to your original point in that matchup with that D line is that Brian Dable and Bobby Johnson have found the strengths of all their individual pieces on this line. Mitch Morris is best out in space when he can use his athleticism and speed. Deion Dawkins is best when he can kind of get engaged in a game and get physical and use that just, you know, uh, superhuman strength that he seems to have. Uh, I remember talking to Bobby Johnson about this in 2020 early on and just about the freakish, you know, strength that Deion Dawkins has. He looks like it's all back and they're, they're, they're kind of all in their spots and there's continuity there and there's trust there. And that's really important. I think Ryan Bates has been a big part of it. I think that's a great point. And, you know, first and foremost, specifically with Deion Dawkins, he struggled against Ingram and Pittsburgh in week one, and he struggled a lot early in the season. And, and Bills fans have to remember, though, he was dealing, he had dealt with COVID, he was hospitalized. There was a lot of up and down play for him. And, and you know, almost, uh, I don't want to say a light bulb went off, but you almost saw him back at 100% that when he returned to the lineup after that second bout with COVID, uh, where he was active, but they didn't expect him to play. And all of a sudden, they needed to throw him into the lineup when Ike Butker got her and they had to reshuffle the line. From that point on, Deion Dawkins has been playing not just at like a Pro Bowl level. I think he's been playing almost at an all-pro level. He's been physically dominant. He's been moving well. The way that the Bills have been uh, you know, running to- in his direction, he's getting out, making those lead blocks. You've already talked about Rick Bates. You know, it's it's almost a shame it took so long for the Bills to to land on Bates uh, at that position. We we both have talked about this. It's probably had to do with the versatility that he brought to this team. The fact that if someone went down, he could be slotted in almost anywhere. But now that you've seen him out there and playing, it, it's almost like, well, man, what what took so long to get him out there? He's been really good as well. Uh, and, and flipping over to the other side, Spencer Brown. I just want to talk about him really quickly. Even though Josh Allen said he was attempting to throw away that first touchdown pass that Dawson Knox hauled in on on, uh, Saturday night against New England, 
that play doesn't take place if it's not for Spencer Brown, who uh, laid out Kyle Van Noy twice on that play. Once when he was running toward Josh Allen, and a second time when Allen was running toward the sidelines and it was getting late in the play, he took him out again. So all across the board, Daryl Williams, too. I didn't want to name four and not name the, you know, the fifth, Morse, you name it. They're playing at a high level. They've been bringing in Tommy Doyle uh, as an extra lineman. He's getting valuable reps there. And then not even just the line. Uh, Reggie Gilliam has been an essential part of this lineup. So I, I do like some of the things that they've landed on as of, as of late. Here's something that I've been kind of toying with, and I'm, I'm kind of excited to talk to Mitch about this this week, Mitch Morse, and get his take on this. And maybe if he's even thought about this, maybe this is even a subconscious thing. If it is even a, even a thing at all, I, I haven't talked to him. But you know when he first got here and the first training camp in 2019, it was that concussion almost right off the bat. And that was one of the big storylines about him signing was that he had a history with concussions. I think – Correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan. He had that one early on, and then he had another one at one point, right? Is that is that correct? From he's what I two, can recall, yes. I'd have to look it up, but I believe he's had two since he's been a member of the Bills. Well, it, we've now gone a really good chunk of time and you know more than a season since the last time that a concussion played a role in Mitch Morse's career. And I'm wondering if part of the reason – that he's been so consistent and looked like the franchise center that they signed him and paid him to be is because number one, they're using him better. They're using Brian Dable went back, I think to the drawing board in the off season and realized like, listen, this guy is fast. He's quick. He's elusive. And once he gets out there, he, he gets physical because of his, his athleticism and those pin pole designs. I mean, you see Mitch Morris is in his element there and they've gone back to it. And it's something they, they said they were going to do more of this year. They delivered on that. That's, the first part. The second part, Ryan, is I think when you can kind of move past the um, even if it's a subconscious fear of that looming concussion, those concussions kind of piling up, you can play a more free brand of football. And I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a guy that, you know, you knock on wood if you're a Bills fan, that this is a guy that, you know, it's been so clean for him for so long. It's almost like it's in the past and he's not even thinking about that when he's out on the football field. I think that's a valid point. You know, you haven't had to worry about that this year. You're seeing him uh, play his highest level of football to date this year. But even before that, he was the most consistent lineman, I think, from week one to our, our present day where we we're currently at. So this season has been a revelation for him. Uh, the Bills did, you know, that's one of the best things they ever did for Josh Allen was sign Mitch Morse. Uh, I know a lot of teams say, well, when you, you get a franchise quarterback, you got to get him a number one wide receiver. And that's true as well. But get a center with experience that can, you know, build that rapport, that can uh, read defenses, help a quarterback out early in in their careers. And you've seen those two grow together. Uh, And and Morris himself now probably even a little bit of that isn't on his plate anymore in terms of the the pre-snap reads. And and a lot of little factors can can add up in terms of uh, up and down play. Not that he's ever been too far on the down list. But now that Josh Allen's reading defenses and so at such a high level, in my opinion, that maybe that's a little bit more off of Morris's plate that allows him just to focus on on football and his assignments on, a, on any given play. Mm-hmm. We talk about the emergence of Singletary, but really it's about the continuity of the offensive line. And, the you know, even to kind of add on to that, Ryan, I think that the mentality that they're playing with and I think it's like a, in a lot of ways. 
the line as a group and then Devin Singletary, I feel like they're in this really nice groove that's kind of elicited a lot of confidence in the way that they play the game. There's a there's a real understanding of what they do well and they're going out and they're and, and they're executing it. And Josh Allen said something really interesting. Um, and I'd actually I wish I kind of wanted to ask Devin about this today. Maybe if we get, if we talk to, to Mitch or, or Dion, I could talk to them about this. But, you know, he says if there's a play that he doesn't like because he knows himself in this offense so well now, Josh Allen, he throws it out. We've talked about this before. He'll go to Brian Dable. He'll they'll be game planning and they'll take a, a play out of there. I feel like the things that the, the Bills are doing well in the run game, Tommy Doyle, I don't think you can under. Uh, sell how important he's been is that jumbo tight end as well, adding some more size and physicality and grit uh, when they do want to run the ball when he's out there. But I think it, it has been a group effort. And Singletary's been as good as anybody in the league the last you know eight weeks or so since week 13, seven touchdowns with the leads all NFL running backs or quarterbacks in some cases, because I think Josh Allen has four. Uh, and I think he's seventh in total rushing. But Devin, Devin Singletary's fourth in the NFL behind only a couple guys like Jonathan Taylor uh, for total rushing. This has been a, a group that I think you can rely on in this game. Check this out, Ryan. Here's I just brought up uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. They've given up in their last, not counting, let's throw the Pittsburgh game out. The Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's office is anemic. And I know there's been a lot made about Najee Harris. I like him as a player. I think that he's got some real talent, but they were so one-dimensional that you know they couldn't throw the ball, that there was no fear to just sell out to stop the pass because, or to stop the run because they, they didn't have to worry about the the pass 191 yards rushing to Denver without a quarterback. I'm pretty sure that was um, drew lock uh, for the Correct. Broncos, 191 rushing yards to them, 130 rushing yards to Pittsburgh. A couple weeks ago, they only give up 60 to Cincinnati Bengals, Ryan, but guess what? They also gave up 415 pass yards. So if the, if, if the chiefs are going to come into this game saying we're going to take away the Bills running game, well, then I think that'll probably open things up uh, pretty significantly at that second and third level for Josh Allen. 130 uh, yards rushing to the Steelers, 192 yards rushing to the Chargers, 154 to the Broncos. I mean, this is a defense for the Kansas City Chiefs that has struggled against the run this season. Yeah, and you know, going back to our original point about Singletary, there's a lot of factors. Offensive line uh, obviously plays a role in that. Josh Allen, his threat to take off with the ball plays a, a role in that, especially on the RPOs uh, where we've seen him so many times keep the ball himself. But the majority of the credit goes to Devin Singletary. The Bills have given him valuable reps. They're letting him be the lead back. They're letting him get into a rhythm. And, and you're seeing how much that has paid off for him. He's taking... Um, in some cases, other, other cases, there have been great blocking in large lanes for him to run through. But I, I think of that first touchdown that he scored uh, against the Patriots on Saturday night. And there was just a little gap there between Deion Dawkins and Rick Bates. And he found that little spot and he was able to get in the end zone. He's been so effective in the red zone. He's not built like a red zone back, a guy that you want to give the ball to near the goal line. But he's been their best option at the running back position by far. You saw it on the, the second touchdown that he kicked outside. The vision's there. The patience has always been there. And he's not going down at first contact. He's keeping the legs, legs moving. Uh, he's picking up valuable chunks of yardage, three, four, five yards per clip. And that heads up over the course of the game. So, yeah, the, the Chiefs are going to go into this game trying to shut down the Bills passing him. There's no doubt in my mind. Josh Allen averaged a ridiculous total in the first match. It was only like 12 yards uh, per throw, and he was getting guys open up deep. Emmanuel Sanders had a few scores. Dawson Knox 
uh, was open deep down the field. Everyone was getting open in terms of those deep threats. But if that's their main focus, the way that Singletary has been running the ball, the way that the Bills have been so complementary in terms of not necessarily a balance, but being more balanced, I could see them really having the Chiefs defense off balance in this matchup. I saw a comment here about uh, who Melvin Ingram was going up against in week one when he was with the Steelers. I think that there was a bit of he was he was rushing primarily off, off the right edge, I think, against Deion Dawkins, who obviously was coming off of COVID and had a, had a real struggle. I think T.J. Watt mostly comes off the left. So I think that that would be a situation. So you're probably going to see Melvin Ingram lined up quite a bit against Deion Dawkins, which I really like that matchup. Uh, for the Bills. And I think that they'll have a plan for Chris Jones, Ryan. I think that they're, you know, you've got to double team them. We saw that for Pittsburgh. And I don't think the Pittsburgh's offensive line is even in the same conversation as the Bills with the way, how well they've been playing over the last five weeks. And so they'll have a plan for it. And not to mention, listen, if you have a plan, you go in, you know that you have to try to neutralize a guy. You also have a weapon, a year more experienced Josh Allen, who's been so good at kind of evading some of that pressure. Listen, Chris Jones is probably going to have a player to in this game, maybe more where he impacts it, but you have to find a way to overcome those moments. Don't turn the ball over in those moments. Try to get rid of the football in, in cases that you can. And they've also done a good job. I was talking to Stefan Diggs about this today because, you know, going back and watching, looking at the stat sheet from the new England Patriots game, you, you look at the stat line for Stefan Diggs and it's four targets. And that really stood out to me. I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen Stefan Diggs have that few, a number of targets in a game. And lo and behold, 37 games, that's the lowest amount of targets he's had in a game in a Bills uniform this last week. So I asked him about it, not even asking him, like, how did he feel about it? But just that even in a game like that, where he was a part of the game plan, the least amount of his of his Bills career. And it didn't even matter because they scored seven touchdowns. It was almost a, a perfect offensive performance. How much does that say about all those other guys around him? And he said, I've been saying that all year. We're deep. We have players that can make plays, and I think Josh has confidence in everybody that they put out there, from Gabriel Davis, Emmanuel Sanders, Dawson Knox, Cole Beasley, Isaiah McKenzie. It doesn't really matter. Tommy Doyle even. He's going to have confidence in him if he's got to throw him a pass. Yeah, I don't have the stats in front of me from that first matchup, but I feel like Cole Beasley only had one reception in that game. Gabriel Davis had one or two. There's so many players now that are getting into a groove on this offense that I could see – uh, maybe maybe Stefan Diggs doesn't get four targets. Maybe it's eight. Maybe it's twelve because he is the number one weapon. But this is this is what Brian Dable has probably wanted from day one: having everyone out there, everyone at his disposal. Isaiah McKenzie, another player that can hurt this Chiefs defense. I love the way that they utilized him against the Patriots, putting him in the backfield. Uh, using him to go one direction when the Bills went the other way, throwing those defenses you know, on their heels, keeping them off balance. You, you have Davis, you have Beasley, who had a pretty quiet game against New England, but he made one big catch in that game. Having Diggs, Dawson Knox, who almost had three scores. Obviously, any team that has a true number one weapon like Diggs, if you can get them the ball, feed them the ball early and often, it should help your offense. But this is the beauty of the Bills and the weapons that they have right now. It's not just force feeding the ball to one player. They have four, five, six guys right now that can legitimately hurt you on a play-by-play basis. We're going to talk much more about this matchup. We're going to go really in-depth in some of the key matchups that we think are going to decide this game. On Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central Time, local time in Kansas City. 
I will be at Al's Bar and Grill. It is the home of the KC Bills backers. I'm going to do the live preview edition of Shout from that location. I, I hope to meet all the Bills fans that are in town, planning on going to the game. Come out. I'm, I'm so excited. I've already gotten a couple DMs from Bills fans that are, are, are looking forward to it, and, and we're going to hang out and have a good time. Uh, talk Bills, preview this game. We'll probably get some fans on the show, get their takes on the game. It's going to be really fun. I want to kind of transition because I want to get to two more things before we bring on Aaron Ladd in a little while. Let's get to the important stuff. From hot to go pizza and appetizers, signature fried chicken, baby back ribs and subs to delicious salads and brownie trays. Tops has everything you need to feed the hungriest fan. Ryan, I put out a tweeted out a video. I was watching the game back, the the, the Chiefs and the, and the Steelers today. As I'm, you know, I, I usually do. I'll go back and watch a couple of different games as we prep for the week. And I kind of wanted to get a look at what the defense for the Steelers was doing to frustrate the Chiefs early in that game. Because for a quarter and a half, Patrick Mahomes and that offense, they were struggling. They, I saw, I heard somebody talk about this today. That's, they gave the stat on the Chiefs offense. They scored five touchdowns in a little over 10 minutes of actual game time, Ryan. That is Insanity. Honestly, that might be the closest to them in history is a Patriots team. I believe a Patriots team. I'd have to go back and listen to this stat. Maybe it was somebody else. It was like 26 minutes of game time. That's the close or 23 minutes closest to that. I almost think that that's almost more impressive than the seven, seven touchdowns. I don't know. I guess we could have an argument about that. Uh, scoring a touchdown on every drive that you have in a game. That's super impressive, but just the how many plays, how much time they needed to score those five touchdowns. That's, that was so impressive. But anyway, we'll talk more about that on Friday, like I said. But I tweeted out the video of the interception where TJ Watt got into the passing lane as, as Patrick Mahomes got out of structure, tried to throw it back across his body. TJ Watt got his hands up. He batted it down, batted it up in the air. It was intercepted. And I, and I said, listen, if I'm Greg Rousseau, who had a similar play where he kind of did it all himself in the first game against the, the Chiefs, I, I love seeing that this is still something that, you know, has, is a concern for the Chiefs offense is Patrick Mahomes struggling to get it through passing lanes. And I think, I think Greg Rousseau is longer. I think he's got longer arms. I think he's a little bit more active in passing lanes. I wasn't comparing Greg Rousseau, the player to TJ Watt. That would be silliness, but a bunch of Chiefs fans got into the mentions and, and fired up that debate because, uh, context apparently. Uh, is not important on a, a big uh, playoff game week, but whatever, I digress. Um, but I do think that that's something to think about is that where Greg Rousseau maybe has made his biggest impact has been as a run defender, sure, but also his ability to get his hands up and make things really muddy for quarterbacks, including Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, listen, Rousseau, the entire defensive line, if they don't get to Mahomes and they see he's releasing the ball, you got to get your arms up. You got to try to bat, deflect those passes. I know Mahomes will go with the uh, odd arm angles. We've seen him do that many times before. But the best thing you can do in that situation if you can't get Mahomes is get a hand on the ball because that's when good things happen, like the play that you were discussing with T.J. Watt. Um, and like the first game where you said it, Rousseau did it all on his own. He batted the ball, he tracked it, he intercepted it. The Bills need to create a turnover or two in this game, just like they created multiple turnovers in that first matchup to kind of uh, build a lead, get ahead, keep that lead because this team is very dangerous. The chiefs that is on offense and it's going to be a shootout of sorts. There's no doubt in my mind on that. So Rousseau, even, you know, Oliver Harrison Phillips, Latula, who looked really good on his sack in that matchup, the veterans, Hughes, Addison, the list goes on and on and on. Get your hands up. If you're not going to be able to take him down, 
take those lanes away. And, and it goes for the linebacker position, too. We, we've seen that with Milano. We've seen that with Edmonds. If you can get your hand on, on the ball, good things happen. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. So Colin Cowherd, I, I like watching Colin's show. I mean, sometimes he says some some silly stuff, but I think you almost have to in that kind of role. I would think of of the real big talking heads. I'd say I, I respect Colin Cowherd quite a bit. He's done the, he's done a bunch of different gigs, you know, doing talk radio for the decades that he's done it. You know, it, it's a tough gig. And I think that he he usually if you tune in for any amount of, of time, you, you get something pretty good. I, I feel like from him most of the time. So he did his he power ranked the teams that are left. And here's the order that he did. Number one, Packers. Number two, Bucks. Number three, Chiefs. Number four, Titans. Number five, Bills number six Rams, number seven 49ers, and number eight Bengals. I I wanted to kind of discuss this a little bit because I, I think I, I, I kind of moved some pieces around here, Ryan. What what sticks out to you the most looking at uh, these power rankings? You know, this might surprise some, but I think the Buccaneers are too high right now. They've suffered some uh, significant injuries. Chris Godwin obviously won't be uh, playing for them anymore after suffering a serious injury. They lost Antonio Brown late in the year after that meltdown. Uh, and, and Mike Evans, to his credit, has been phenomenal. Rob Gronkowski has stepped up. They didn't really miss Leonard Fournette much in that first matchup against the Eagles, and he's coming back soon. So I, I don't want to sit here and say, that there, there's no talent around Tom Brady. There's still plenty of talent around Tom Brady, but it's not what it was a few weeks ago. Um, and I could see them getting knocked off as early as this week. I didn't really give the Eagles much of a shot, but uh, I really do think that this is a week where they could lose this matchup realistically because they're missing some of those offensive weapons that made them so good uh, last year, that made them so good this season. So that's the first thing that stands out. And number two, I put the 49ers dead last on this list. I don't trust Garoppolo. The, you know, that game against the Cowboys came almost came down to both teams pretty much imploding given the circumstances. And it took one odd QB sneak where he didn't get down fast enough and the the whole time running out deal where you could you could have been talking about one play from about what the the 2025 if he would have gotten down a little bit earlier a legit shot to win the game with a throw to the end zone for me i agree with you i got the 49ers at 8 i put the bengal's at 7 and then i kind of shift some things around so i move the bills up to 2 i i keep the chiefs at 3 i put the buccaneers at 4 and i drop the titans down to 6 and the Rams up to five. I think that that Rams offense, it looked really good. Now, listen, I, I thought that that was an Arizona Cardinals team that completely just laid down and and knew that they, were, they weren't going to have a lot of success in that game. I mean, Kyler Murray, you know, we talked about seeing ghosts for Sam, Sam Darnold all those years ago. It kind of looked a lot like that. Now, I made an argument on Twitter that, like, he was getting killed and he didn't have a good game. But my thought process was, and I know, like, most of my uh, Twitter followers are Bills fans and there's not a lot of love for Kyler Murray and the Hal Murray and all that kind of stuff. I get that. But this is a guy without DeAndre Hopkins, who's arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. It has not looked the same since he went out. And I know there's some people even making the argument, well, if, if you lose one guy and it drops off that much, you know, there's problems. Sure. I, I totally understand that. But I think that it, it's, it's necessary context when you're talking about how bad Arizona looked in that game. 
that was a big piece of it. I, I think that there, there's some real roster building questions that they have to ask. There's some coach questions they have to ask. Is is Cliff Kingsbury the long term answer? But you know, I think the Bills at number two behind the Packers. I, I think the Packers are definitively number one. I think you can make an argument between the Chiefs and the Bills in that two spot. I'm giving the Bills the edge just because of how well they've been playing over the last course of the season, and they had the win over them already this season. But I have no. If you want to put the Chiefs there, I would. I wouldn't argue with you. And um, you know the Bucks, and then like I said, the Rams defense. If they're playing well, they have so many superstars on that defense. Well, at least two of them, and Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. You know they're just so tough to deal with. Yeah, listen, I think it's a coin flip between the Bills and the Chiefs, but I, maybe a hot take. I think I would have the Rams at number two. Um, Von wow. Miller's Von Miller's been hot as of late as well with the Rams. There's another player on that defense, but even the offense right now, I, I came away so impressed with the run game for the Rams. Sony Michelle has been a revelation in that offense, and then you get Cam Akers back. How does Cam Akers get back so quickly from an ACL injury and look that good, that explosive? It's always running backs when they suffer that. They never look the same. He looked just as good. I I have him in a few dynasty leagues that I play in, and he looked phenomenal. So you have that. You have Odell Beckham Jr., who who is a really good fit into that offense, uh, scoring touchdowns. Obviously, you have Cooper Cup, who's you know all world at wide receiver. Tyler Higby's pretty a pretty good tight end. Um, they they have some uh, decent O line, so you know may, maybe that's a hot take. But in terms of the playoff rankings, I, I could see the Rams all the way up at number two. That's how high I am on them right now. I'm I'm here for it. I'd actually listen to it, and I don't hate the the, the take at all. The reason I would mu- I probably push back a little bit is that I do have concerns against a better defense when it comes to Matthew Stafford. I think we've seen too much of the Matthew Stafford that we saw in Detroit. And everybody always said it was the lack of talent around him. And now he has an MVP candidate in Cooper Cup. And I said it. I mean, he's a triple crown winner. I think Cooper Cup is an MVP type of guy, at least top seven or eight in the NFL. Odell Beckham Jr. is looking like the guy that, you know, everybody forgot about all those years ago in, in, in New York and with the Giants. He's been spectacular since landing with the Rams. So he has really a super team around him on offense. And at times it hasn't looked great. So if you get to a spot where you really need to rely on Matthew Stafford is, has everything kind of landed in a place where you could trust them? I don't know if I'm necessarily there yet, but I I saw enough against Arizona where I was like, all right, I'm considering flipping my expectations for the Rams quite a bit. Uh, I think Rams potentially Rams Packers is going to be explosive because I don't know. What do you think, Ryan Rams and Bucks? that's a really, really tough matchup uh, for the Bucs without Chris Godwin. Some of the other pieces, they seem to be a little bit banged up on their offensive line too. Tristan Wirfs was in and out of the game the other day. Ryan Jensen left the game for a short amount of time, so he's dealing with something. You know, there's a lot of odds stacked against the Buccaneers to try to go and repeat this year. Yeah, and listen, you never bet against Tom Brady with the career that he's had, but that's why I said I... I, I, I'll I'll bet against (laughs) Tom Brady this year. I'm fine with it this year. Most years, I'd agree with you, but there's a there is a lot like we've seen over the course of his career, even in New England, where when things kind of you know when the talent level dipped, it, he wasn't as effective. And there were years that he was still great. But go ahead, sorry, I interrupted you. I, no, I'd be okay right. with it. I mean, I've been betting a lot since the Kim legal in New York, so <laughs> my, probably my wife probably thinks I've been doing it too much. 
<laughs> no, just you know, just real quick with with Brady. You're you're right. He's throwing to guys like Scotty Miller. Sorry to everyone that lost their parlays because they needed Miller to get like one extra yard, or they needed to get eight or nine yards receiving, and they gave him a handoff instead. I saw a lot of people melting down over that, but uh, it's not quite the same. The offensive line is banged up, and um, so th- there's definitely reasons to be concerned to a certain extent about them. But you know, playoff rankings, it- it's interesting because the Bills, number one defense. I have concerns though about the cornerback position this weekend against Patrick Mahomes. Um, this is a, a someone that's going to sling the ball all over. Tyree kills a dangerous weapon. Travis Kelsey's a weapon. Byron uh, Pringle has really come on for this team as well. So there's no shortage there. Good chance the the backfield has multiple weapons there too. So it's going to be a challenge for the Bills. As good as that defense has been this year, they're gonna they're gonna have a tough and a tall task in front of them on Sunday night. This has been a, a fun little show. We kind of came into this. We were like, "Hey, what do you want to talk about?" And I, I knew I had a couple of things I wanted to get to. This has been really fun, and I'm really excited uh, for the next part here. Let's uh, let's bring in our special guest, Mr. Aaron Ladd, KSHB41 in Kansas City. He covers the Chiefs and uh, excited to hopefully shake your hand on Sunday night as I make my third trip in 12 months to Kansas City. How are you, my friend? I'm great, man. I got some barbecue waiting for you when you get here. Oh, that's a great place to start, actually. (laughs) Selfishly, I'm going to ask you. So I've heard plenty of takes here. Um, What is the premier destination for barbecue in KC? See, you're trying to get you're you're trying to get me in trouble, basically. Like, I am. Yeah, I, I can. I, I'm a new guy, not from Kansas City originally. I'm actually from the Atlanta area originally. So, picking favorites and and picking sides, I, I can't make that decision without <laughs> receiving massive blowback on it. But I would say that the good test of a true barbecue town is there's a lot of good places that do a lot of things very well. Um, if you're a sides guy, there's a place that really does great sides. Uh, let me just start naming names. Q39 is great. Joe's is great. Uh, Jack Stack, uh, I have very regularly. It's probably one of the closest ones to me. Um, but there's little holes in the walls and things that you'll have every er, everywhere. The Chiefs actually have Zarda Barbecue at their uh, training camp every year for the press. So that's one that's usually not mentioned amongst the big names, but I still enjoy mightily that time of year. So uh, we got a lot of options for you. That's that's awesome. And I actually did Jack Stack for the first time the last trip. I will be making a return visit. It was to die for, but I'm probably going to have probably two or three days of, of a barbecue while I'm out there. Uh, I feel like you got to. So I wanted to bring you in today. Uh, you had graciously reached out and offered you, you know, your expertise. And this is a game where I feel like getting a little bit of the other side is so important. We try to do it as much as we can. What's the vibe in KC right now? or amongst Chiefs Kingdom, if you will, about how they perceive the Bills and this matchup. Because I think going into the game last year, there was there was a level of respect, but I think it was the expectation that the Chiefs were going to win. You know, they lost to them earlier in the season. The Bills' are offense is, you know, clicking on every cylinder you can click on. Chiefs are too. How, what's the perception of this matchup the, the second, third time around, really, now in 12 months? A lot of people I'm running into now think that this is the AFC title game right now. These are the two best teams in in the AFC as far as the ball that they're playing right now. I was listening to you all before I came on, and it is very tough to argue with scoring on seven possessions. Like, you touch the ball seven times and you score eight. I mean, like, they're peaking at the right time. Um, Kansas City uh, feels like they're playing their best ball at the right time. But uh, 
uh, a lot of Chiefs Kingdom feels confident. I mean, when you have 15 back there throwing the ball, how could you not? It seems like he makes uh, a lot of things happen out of nothing. But uh, for these two, it's definitely a mutual respect, not only between the fans, but we heard a lot between the coaches as well. Listening to Sean McDermott's presser from earlier this week, talk about growing up under Andy. He even said he considered him a, uh, a big brother, even though he has a big brother of its own. And, and it's cool to see these these two teams uh, trade blows. It's like a heavyweight prize fighter, right? Uh, Bills won the first round. Chiefs won last year. You got the Stephon Diggs photo that's floating around. So I think it's only right that that these two match up again for a shot to to continue this year. You know, Aaron, we were talking earlier in the show how for both teams, this is a completely different matchup in terms of the roster. We talked a lot about Chris Jones, Melvin Ingram up front. But what about in the secondary? Because the Bills obviously exposed Kansas City in that first matchup. Uh, but you, you we're seeing more from Juan Thornhill and Ward back there, um, who I believe did not play in that first matchup. So what what's different about the secondary than what the Bills fans saw in week five? I think this is a secondary that that feels more confident. They they obviously hit that winning streak in the middle of the year, and you can poke holes in all those wins. Everybody tries to do it on social media with every win, but winning those games mattered uh, to that team as far as their confidence, especially to that young secondary. We know Chris Jones and what he's capable of, the three-and-a-half sacks he had against uh, the Cowboys at Arrowhead and what kind of disruptor he is once Melvin Ingram came and they were able to move him on the inside, but the secondary has had to be challenged at times and has been asked to, to carry their load, especially for a younger unit as well, Ryan. I mean, this is, these don't have the same veteran names outside of obviously Tyron Matthew, who's back there playing the big brother role. Um, they don't have those, they don't have that veteran presence. So for Charvarius Ward and Rashad Fenton, somebody will be monitoring this week uh, with that back injury that that's bothering him. Uh, this They've had to play a key role in this team uh, continuing to make a playoff run this year. Um, before I want to get to the offense, uh, but before we do, how healthy is this defensive line? Because, you know, I think I was listening to something earlier this week. And even though Frank Clark played in week five, he was a little bit banged up. They didn't have Melvin Ingram. Uh, Chris Jones was out. And I, and I don't even know, maybe Jaron Reed was going through something as well. What is the health level of that front? And I guess to say, you know, the front seven in general, where have I've heard a lot about Nick Bolton. I know that Willie Gay, he was just kind of coming back from something uh, early in the season. How is that group kind of performing together, and where's that that level of health going into this game? Andy Reid feels like his team is relatively healthy this time of year. He actually started off talking with reporters today, talking about how how great it's for these two teams to match up while they're both relatively healthy. I think there was only one name on Buffalo's injury report today. Uh, the Chiefs, as far as the defensive line front, seem to be relatively healthy. Now it's the NFL, right? And it's the longest season ever. So everybody's got nicks and knacks. Everybody's banged up uh, to a certain extent. But um, as far as your big names, Chris Jones plays in this one after missing week five. And we heard Brian Dable go on and on about what kind of athlete he is, how he can wreck your entire game plan, how uh, you really have to respect him uh, from a pass rushing standpoint. So you want to have Chris Jones in there. Melvin Ingram's brought obviously a, a physicality since his trade from Pittsburgh over. I know the numbers aren't necessarily there. That's been a knack from some people, but Chris Jones talked about him setting that edge and bringing a lot of, uh, of physicality and not only the the play, but also attitude wise as well. This is a team that's played a lot, a lot, a lot of football over the last couple of years, most games since 2018 of, of any NFL team. So uh, they have a lot of veterans. So obviously when we talk about offenses, it's usually all Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, but the Chiefs have some pretty good running backs as well. Tell us a little bit more about the backs that the Bills may see on Sunday night and, and some expectations for this matchup. 
The running back situation is something that we're definitely going to have to monitor coming into this game. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Lair has been dealing with a shoulder injury that's that's kept him out the last couple of games. In addition to that knee injury that had him miss seven games earlier this year, a lot of fans talking about sophomore slump. Jarrett McKinnon steps in in the wild card round and has one of his biggest uh, biggest games in a very long time. I think it was his biggest output uh, since October 2020. Uh, Jarrett McKinnon steps in. He'll possibly be a role as well as Darrell Williams, who's been dealing with a toe injury. McKinnon's interesting because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, obviously you mentioned level of disappointment in year two when he has been in there. I don't think it's you know been as effective as what we saw McKinnon able to generate on Sunday. Now, I guess... You could talk about, you know, the, the the Steelers defense just over the course of that game, just getting beaten down and tired and watching their offense, not being able to do anything uh, behind Ben Ben Roethlisberger. But the big thing that stands out to me about McKinnon is that speed element that seems to be so valuable. A lot of similar ways to the Bills office that, you know, Kansas City values that ability to get out in space, make people miss, utilize that quickness to kind of get to the edge, especially for a guy like McKinnon. But what stood out to me more than anything Aaron is he was hitting the hole and using that speed to get downhill against the Steelers and he wasn't afraid of contact he looked like kind of like the complete package almost like the perfect fit for that Chiefs offense I had a friend who joked he looks faster on the football field because he wears number one like the guy with the single digit number yeah. always looks a little bit faster but no man he you, your, your eyes are not deceiving you he's definitely shifty hard to bring down and what Chiefs fans have been extremely clamoring for with Clyde Edwards Alaire is that addition in the pass game. And we saw that in the wild card round um, from Jarek McKinnon and just how hard he is to bring down once he is in that pass game, the screen game factor there. It's going to be very, very hard to deny the opportunity that he earned in that wild card round. Uh, the reporters asked Andy Reid first day on Monday, has Jarek earned uh, the running back one position? And you know, Andy's never really gonna gonna say anything. Spoiler alert! Especially he's not gonna give Sean McDermott any extra ammunition this week. But so he was kind of mom just said, "Hey, we'll, we'll see how it goes." And he kind of has to say that because of the injuries that they're dealing with. I mean, Clyde and Daryl. I assume if they're ready to play, they will factor in and in, in some point in time, no matter what McKinnon looked like in the wild card round. So who's the biggest X factor on this offense? Obviously, again, we, we know a lot of the names, Hill, Kelsey. Uh, we, we know about Mahomes. Is it Byron Pringle? Is it someone different? Who, who do Bills fans have to watch out for on Sunday night? You stole it. it, it it's the other guy. He, he, every team knows they have to find a way to stop Kelsey and Hill. And every team, when they go up against the Chiefs, figures they have a way to stop that. But it's the other guy that will hurt you. In years past, it's been Sammy Watkins, especially this time of the year, right? We heard playoff Sammy for so long because when it was third down and the Chiefs were kind of sputtering, they're down 24 against Houston. They're down 10 against some of these other opponents. Sammy Watkins comes back, gets him that key third down to keep the, keep the ball rolling. Last week, it was Byron Pringle with his two touchdowns. And we've seen McCole Hardman as well come on as of late, not only just in the receiving game, but also as a punt returner. He had some really explosive punt returns that got Kansas City some momentum when they were sputtering uh, in the first quarter against Pittsburgh last week. I would say if there's an X factor on offense, you got to look to try and limit those other guys' production when they get their opportunity. One of the things that happened in the AFC title game last year was the Bills got out to a fast start. Uh, not so much offensively, but they took advantage of that turnover, you know, scored uh, on the next play. And before you know it, it's 9 0. And I felt like even at that point, Kansas City was just kind of like, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll get this thing going uh, eventually. What's it been like this season from an adversity standpoint? Because this is a situation where if either offense gets off to a slow start, I feel like the other offense has the capability to just 
go up 14 nothing in a blink of an eye. Is this that same Chiefs offense that if this is a, you know, a gunfight, if this is a, you know, a back and forth affair, how have they handled adversity throughout the season? And this is probably the most look into the magic ball question that you've asked. I mean, I don't think any of us, I don't think any of us have any idea what is going to happen because the Chiefs have shown us everything along the way this year. They've started three and four. They've shown us games where they don't score for a quarter and a half and then score five touchdowns in 11 game minutes like they did last week. And then they have games where they get into the gunfight. I think about the game in LA Thursday night. It, it goes to overtime. Those two teams uh, were battling down the down the end of the stretch. And Kansas City, really, they had 21 points through the third quarter. A lot of those points came in the fourth quarter in overtime. They've shown us an ability to win games in all formats. But it really worries me that they're slowing, starting slow in these first quarters. They No points in the first quarter last week. Week five, when these two teams matched up before, no, uh, only three points against Buffalo the first time. You can't do that again, especially against a Buffalo team where their last time out, they didn't miss, right? They did. They, they scored every drive. Uh, you, you can't continue to keep starting slow because at a certain point, you believe it's going to bite you in the rear end. Obviously, if they had the answer to this, they would have fixed it by now. But what are some of the reasons for the slow starts in, in your opinion? Man. <laughs> I don't want to say they're lackadaisical. I don't want, I don't want to say that they, they know that they can just flip the switch whenever. I feel like that's kind of an, an easy question. There are a lot of new faces, specifically along the offensive line. We talked about uh, the two new rookies in addition to all five new faces starting there. And now we have Andrew Wiley sliding back in for Lucas Niang, who tore his patellar tendon. It's, uh, it, it, it's trying to get everybody on the same page with a quarterback that can make plays happen all over the field, right? Like the play could be going one way and Mahomes could go the other way. And I, I envision that it takes a little bit longer than uh, the fans want and the media want for everything to come together, uh, especially when it's an Andy Reid offense. It's not an offense that you can, you can master overnight. This is something that the players, the coaches, everybody has told us it's a process. Uh, and I think that's another reason why it has been so up and down this year is because, uh, it, you know, progress isn't linear. We like to see progress a, a, as riding an elevator when really it's more like a roller coaster. A roller coaster, indeed. I have a very sneaky suspicion that we're in for a roller coaster ride on Sunday night, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Aaron, thank you so much for giving us some time today. Uh, go. Uh, where can they follow you on Twitter? What's the exact handle? Yes. Yeah, so I'm Aaron Ladd, like my first name. Lad, like my last name and the number zero on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. would love to interact with you guys. I know y'all travel well. Pittsburgh traveled well last week. Really excited to see y'all and appreciate y'all having me on. That's great. Uh, follow Aaron from the other side. I've already been kind of dialed into his coverage this week. Uh, he'll have you cover with everything from the KC side of things. We appreciate it, man. Thanks for the, the barbecue advice. And I'll see you this weekend. <laughs> see y'all soon, man. Appreciate it. Take care. All right, Aaron Ladd, uh, bringing it. Uh, his first appearance on the show, he was he was awesome, uh, yeah, as, I, as I expected. Um, final thought, Ryan, because uh, we're not going to give a prediction tonight. We're going to give our prediction on Friday. Yeah, final thought. I'm, I'm jealous of all the barbecue you're going to be having here in these next few days, but uh, I'll, I'll counter it with a, a Topps breakfast pizza this weekend. Some, you know, something I don't think you'll be oh. able to find down there. So I know you oh. ended up getting yours, though. I, I did. saw it. Oh, and I did. She got mad Caitlin and delivered. I didn't share it. She delivered. So <laughs> I was, I should have shared it on social media. Like I, I, I didn't, I, but where I really introduced it was the podcast. So I'll share the story now on the podcast after the game. I said, listen, 
if I come home when I'm going to get home and, and to sleep at about 4 a.m., 5 a.m., if I wake up to a Topps breakfast pizza, it wouldn't be the worst thing. And I, was, I was speaking to my wife. Lo and behold, I get up at around 10 a.m. I come downstairs and there's a beautiful brown box filled with all the eggy bacon goodness of a, of a Topps breakfast pizza. It absolutely crushed. And I didn't even give her the, the, the accolades for it. That is not husband of the, of the year material. If you are going to the game this weekend, uh, if you're going to be in Kansas City on Friday night, make sure you come out to Al's Sports Bar, where, you know, that's the home of the KC Bills backers. I'm going to be there for the preview show. We'll do the show. We'll have a couple beers. We'll talk uh, Bills football. It'll almost be like a, a, a real live Twitter spaces right in your it, it, uh, on the bar. It'll be a good time. Uh, but if you're if you're hanging back in Buffalo, you're hosting a large party. Check out Tops' huge selection of party platters for a delicious, effortless, and affordable, no stress way to impress. For complete details, stop by their carryout cafe or visit topsmarkets.com/slash/fantasyfoodball. We'll see you very soon. Like and subscribe before you go. Have a great rest of your week, everybody. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. 